0: All right, Alex Roy is the founder of Johnson & Roy Advisors, the Cast, The Drive, and the Human Driving Association. Roy set seven cannonball-run driving records in the ICE, EV, and three-wheeled classes and worked at self-driving startup Argo AI for four years. He's the author of The Driver, producer of Apex, The Secret Race Across America, and chairman emeritus of the Moth Storytelling Series, and he's been investing in mobility startups since 2014. How are you doing today, Alex.
1: Harry Campbell, I, I feel uh I feel great to be on your show, but I feel like your trajectory is even more interesting than mine.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I don't know what uh <laughs> When I first met you,
1: you were still driving. <laughs> well, did whenever I meet anyone who's ever driven or thinking about driving for a ride hail, I'm like, have you heard of the share guy? They're like, Yeah, of course. Like Harry Campbell. He's the guy. You're like the Jay Leno of mobility, like mobility tech.
0: Nice. I like that. That is a compliment. Jay Leno is a, a great guy and uh, you know I'm excited to have you on because you know I've had you on my rideshare guy podcast and we talked uh, about mobility and I've been on your uh, podcast the Atonicast back in the day and today we're going to do a little bit of a crossover episode. I thought it'd be cool because you know one of my uh, I guess I, I don't know if you would say passions but one of the things I've been spending a bit of time on as Colin knows, is investing in early stage startups and uh, you've been angel investing in mobility and have a ton of experience around AV you know just interesting unique startups so this is sort of the crossover uh, episode and Colin he kind of dabbles in mobility too right Colin
2: yeah anything marketplace related which has a you know a bunch of things that drive and do cool or move I should say um so, anything that moves yeah. how about that
0: definitely Awesome. Well, Alex, real quick, before we dig into the meat of the episode, talk a little bit about your angel investing career. Uh, how many investments have you made? I think you've done kind of a mix of funds and some companies and your advisor to companies, too. Does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, mean, I am an LP in like Trucks, VC, Riley Brennan's Fund. Cool. Um, good friends with um, like the guys from Many Mobility, like Granoff, and uh, mm-hmm. I just came back from Up Ventures. Although I don't, I don't think I'm big enough an investor to be to be a an LP in any of the up we, stuff. We call those uh, value uh, add so, investors, no, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I'm not even famous <laughs> enough to, to to qualify. But uh, no, I mean, I've been investing since I, I really since um, Tesla released Autopilot. As mm. soon as that happened, I'm like, there's something like there's more to this. I don't know enough I know Tesla is not going to be the only company developing in sector like who else is out there there was clearly that was just one approach to driver assistance and potentially autonomous vehicles and so that was 2014 and at the time I was I had sold I had been I've been one of the co-founders of the drive.com which mm-hmm. had been sold multiple times and so at that point the drive was owned, by Time Inc. And Mm -hmm. so I got, as one of the few co-founders who was kept on, a Time Inc. business card. And I thought, like, what is the best way to improve my deal flow? Uh, I am going to call every company that I feel has not been transparent and try to interview them and Mm -hmm. see what they say and just educate myself. And uh, And then I thought, well, why don't I go to startups and with that business card, they'll take my call and interview them. And so that ended up being for like two years a fantastic way to get in the door and learn about the sector, and um, led to the creation of the Atonicast, which was phase two of my attempt to like create deal flow. And uh, the Atonicast has been since since then the spine of everything I've learned about the sector, all incoming deals, and a mountain mm-hmm. of friendships. Uh, yeah. And in fact, being just learning of you and meeting you is a perfect example of that. Back in 2017, like there 2016-2017, unless you were a Tesla fanboy, there wasn't a lot of other content to read. And most analyst reports, I mean I think I think Harry whether you know it or not, you are way more knowledgeable about like fundamentals of the sector than almost any analyst at a bank. And this is it. Like you've got to teach yourself or listen to people who have taught themselves to be a great angel investor in any sector, but especially this one.
0: Yeah. Interesting. There's just too much hype. And as you know, I'm an avid listener of the Autonicast. And, you know, I guess to me, if, if someone asked me what the Autonicast podcast was about, I would say that it's three good friends who discuss the world of mobility, but I think there's also a clear focus on AV. It seems, you know, I think you guys cover most of the big news, the big developments there. Is that sort of your, you know, you, you know, I mentioned in your profile that you worked at uh, Argo AI also for four years. Is that sort of what? people think of you as you know the av guy um or is that kind of your niche or is that what you're most excited about or how do you think about that kind of space
1: i mean i'm most excited about driver assistance um mm-hmm. i only joined argo because of the lane Hertzberg um uh echo not accident crash which killed her uh, with the new atg vehicle back in 2018 uh so i as a result was stumbled into the AV sector because I was a known critic. And uh, if I, going back in time, uh, I mean, I'm glad I did, I'm glad I joined Argo, but I wish I had banged the drum louder for what I've been saying since 2015, which is that driver assistance and, and as yet unmanifested versions of it would be a much bigger market in the next 10, maybe even 20 years than AV itself. But hmm. I didn't know how to build a career around that. Nobody wanted to hear that in 2017. Uh, For the, those who uh, you, may not know, what's driver stuff,
0: is, what's driver assistance mean? Uh, so you don't have you your know, normal mobility any, uh, expert uh, uh, listeners uh, yeah. on this pod. But, uh, all
1: right. So any vehicle that uh, any every vehicle you could buy today has some form of driver assistance, or Got known it. as ADAS, Advanced Driver Assistance System. And so anything that requires a driver to sit in the seat and do anything is a form of driver assistance. Anything that allows you to get out of the seat and sleep in the back, that's, a ton, that's an autonomous vehicle. Mm-hmm. And anyone who tells you otherwise is either confused uh, very deliberately or by ignorance. In fact, I'd say that one of the biggest impediments to investing in driver assistance uh, or any kind of self-driving autonomy is that only the, no one but the engineers talks about it in a clear manner. Mm-hmm. So press releases, news stories, media coverage is often so mangled that it just makes it harder to filter what might be innovative. And that's that's a big problem. The um your question about the atomic cast and a focus in A V, it it just happens to be A V has had the most hype and nonsense around it. Therefore it's always a topic. And my co-host Ed has built his entire career around taking down Elon Musk, which you know oscillates between a focus on EV and you know range estimates and AV tech, which I think we all know that Tesla is, is um, you still have to sit in the, in the seat, so it's not really self driving.
2: Got it. I'm intrigued uh, by uh, you know, you guys have both been in the space early, um, and just watched it come. And I think I was more of a bystander watching you know Uber and really kind of coming at it from that perspective, but um, for you guys, like. If you look back, what were the hallmarks of what you considered the best investments in the space?
1: Uh, well, I don't know if there's such a thing as a best investment in anything related like to self-driving yet. Yeah. <laughs> um because the well the, I mean, good. the company you now Waymo, well, Waymo, you still can't buy shares. I mean, I guess indirectly if you bought Alphabet. Um there, you know, just uh the other day um a, a a company that has been largely overlooked because it was raised much less money and, and has been a very um smaller deployment May Mobility uh just announced a hundred million dollar series D. So that's really interesting. I mean full disclosure, May is a is a company in the trucks that VC portfolio. So I'm indirectly you known investor. Um, May is really interesting because May, like uh, another company, uh, they do um, fixed route shuttles, autonomous shuttles, what's called level four. And there are other companies that are kind of mid-level, kind of behind the scenes, like Gatic, which does like um, middle mile uh, tr- uh, self-driving trucks. And they have a partnership mm-hmm. with Walmart. No one talks about Gatic or May in the general media. It's just not, they don't have, they're not the employment scale or the fund, they haven't raised that as much money. but. They are literally trucking along, um, <laughs> raising money, meeting milestones that were n- not as ambitious as the big companies, but they're meeting them. And they've received a little bit of, well, has got a you know, clean bill of health. Uh, May I think May's got a clean bill of health. They, these, are, these companies are going to become something.
0: I mean, a hundred million and is nothing to sneeze at, maybe, right?
1: Nothing to sneeze at. And so... You know, think in the scale of the amount like what Cruz has raised and Waymo in the you know, billions or tens of billions, mm-hmm. you know, Gaddock and May are just not a big deal. And yet uh, those are probably gonna end up having been great investments for the early for the early investors. Um, I can tell you one of my um a an investment that was good for me career-wise, but not great as an investor was in 20 how many years ago was this. 18, I can't remember. There, were, there was a rush to uh, of simulation startups. Mm. And uh, very few have survived. And many of them were like ver- sector vertical focused. So a great founder uh, is a guy named Warren Honor. That uh, Have you met him? Harry, no. do you know Warren? Warren is in the circle of... Um, He's an engineer. He was at Ford for years. He knows a ton about security and a ton about AV and driver assistance and sensor hardware. So he had a, he had a sensor uh, a simulation startup, and he explained to me something that no analyst or journalist was capable of explaining, which is that not all simulation is the same. Everybody, mm-hmm. every AV developer and every OEM needs simulation to know if the suite of hardware sen- hardware sensors and the software behind them can function and if you if something bad happens, you hit something or someone, you want that to happen in a simulation. So the quality of a simulation matters and it made sense six years ago to invest in a simulation startup that had a, a profound technical advantage. They, their fidelity, the fidelity, another word for accuracy, was just higher. And so I, I put money into uh, this company called, oh my God, it's completely space in the name of the company. Warren was the founder, they were called right Warren's hook. company great, let's call it that great simulation <laughs> stuff it was called right hook and it was a great brilliant guys brilliant tech um they didn't have the um maybe the um media narrative or hype mm-hmm. that some other simulation companies had and to Warren's credit you don't see this often among um startups when he saw the writing on the wall there would not be a big exit uh, and he came close um he returned uh, the investor remaining investor money, and uh, and sold the remains remaining uh, re- remaining company, and is still running it uh, as part of uh, the buyer. Mm-hmm. But he's a great founder, and what was fascinating about that is that he, all these years later, uh, it's clear that they should have survived and they should have exited to one of these AV companies like Cruise, yeah. <laughs> which is in the news lately, because it is clear that the quality of simulation
2: mm-hmm.
1: matters deeply. And the analysts and, and we just we just have no optics into the quality of the simulation at these AV companies. Um, there's just very really little transparency at all. And so um
0: Yeah sounds like a, some a of these companies could have maybe used a few more AV simulations <laughs> before hitting <laughs> yeah. the road, huh? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, for sure. Just so whenever I I, I talk, look at an A V company, I'm always curious to know, do they build or buy?
2: Them. Yeah.
1: And um, what, what are they simming? Like how,
2: mm-hmm. how well are
1: they simming and, and what is their simulation mists?
0: What do you think about investing? I mean, you know, one thing I think that's interesting, right, with your the media side and your Autonicast podcast, you guys are kind of covering what's hot, right? Like what's in the news, and also maybe like what's even like overhyped. Like AVs, I think have obviously, you know, are a perfect example of an industry that's had like I think two hype cycles now, right? There was like this early hype cycle, and then it died down, and then now there's like another hype cycle uh, going on now that they're hitting the road, and so I would imagine that you probably get a lot of people, you know, who are kind of in that space because they're listening. To you they're reaching out to you maybe with ideas so like what do you think about investing in these hyped up sectors do you you have you you know do you think that kind of like biases the things you're looking at or do you think it's good do you think it's bad uh what are your thoughts the
1: hype is terrible and it we'll wastes waste all our time of anyone who's serious uh, <laughs> but it's great but, for a uh, media the, business right <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean the tonic cash is, is not ever meant to be like a cash flow positive thing it literally wasn't an llc until quite recently and we're 6 years in the um but what the most valuable part of podcasting in sector in terms of finding good investments or just trying to find investments has been to get critics on like like luddite anti tech folks on
2: mm.
1: to come on and say well xyz can never work because of a b and c well i immediately start looking for people solving A, B, and C. Because while people are building businesses that have blind spots, the critics are pointing out the blind spots like at a much deeper level than the founders are. Uh, the founders are usually trying to, they're just assuming they'll solve them later. The critics think that they should be solved now. And so in there is all the opportunity. A great example would be uh, Audi announced years ago, four or five years ago, they were going to, uh, the Audi A8, their big sedan, they were going to offer what's called an L3 autonomous highway pilot, so you could basically a hands off system for driving on the highway. And they had a big media push, and tons of critics came out of the woods, uh, woodwork tons on it that can never work, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. dangerous, unsafe. So I started poking around the system. Well, it was missing something, it was missing. Something that doesn't have an engineering title name yet, but I'll call it a transition management system. A system for knowing if the driver is ready to put their hands back on the wheel if they fall asleep or if they're watching a movie or any number of things. Audi didn't have one. or not, They didn't ever announce if they had one or not. But a few months later, they very quietly canceled the uh, consumer release of that product.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was years ago. Recently, Mercedes-Benz announced the, an L3 highway pilot system. Big fanfare. First system to pass German regulatory approval. And it's going to work in the United States, in a couple of states, y- yada, yada. The same, literally the same people were like, well, that can never work. Where's their train? Where, how do you monitor the driver? And Mercedes' response is that they um, – they have a camera It looks at the driver that evaluates their ability to do so. But it, Philip Kootman, who's a professor in sector, who's a great critic of safety of all these companies, he, he pointed out that the manual for that car, the Mercedes Benz, states the driver's got to pay attention, which means it's not really a driverless system. So, what my takeaway from all of this is, and this was clear six years ago, where is the, I want to invest in a startup that develops IP around the accurate, measurement of human attention in a moving car um, such that they can take over if they're given an alert. Like where is it? Where is that startup? Because there are every OEM is doing it differently. There's no consensus of what it should be. And if someone had a great, great set of IP around that, you'd print cash forever. I still haven't found that company. Mm. Everyone says, don't worry. Someone else is working on it. Well, I haven't found that someone else. And there are probably 20 more examples of this. So I love hearing critics come on a podcast, mine or anyone's, and hearing what they say. Because whatever they're pointing out, that's the opportunity. Every
0: time. Got it. Colin, you want to jump
2: in? Yeah. Yeah, no, I just might light bulbs are going off i think that's a that's a great insight just generally. i think Probably actually the even, idea yeah.
0: i came up with while you're talking alex was like a virtual or a physical hand that comes out and slaps you to wake you up but something you know that is the idea <laughs> but you know something like that
1: <laughs> so, or a foul smell a foul smell um Ooh. what was the other one recently i saw um yeah but it, it just never ends because the critics will never go away Innovation yeah. will never go away, so why ignore them? Like they're they're, they're like a, a they're a fountain of value, value creation. Yeah.
0: well Well, we switching gears for just yes. a second, um, and on the critics, you know, a company that's had a lot of critics. We've mentioned Tesla a couple times. What do you think about investing in Tesla?
1: I have some Tesla. I you no, know, I I mean I I've don't discuss some Tesla. it, but no one ever asks. I've yeah, I've never shorted Tesla. I've owned Tesla probably three different times in the last nine years. Uh,
0: look, have
1: you read the Isaacson book? Either of you? Uh,
0: haven't yeah. the new one?
1: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the TLDR is, don't bet against this guy. He's a very long-term thinker. He's relentless. And thats it's hard to beat relentless people. So I mean, one of the big secrets of AV, and Musk, as he sees this, is that if if the if the big stack expensive you know, uh, av companies waymo cruise motional anyone who's building a company where they have multiple sensors lidar radar everything and um with a deep focus on safety to their credit if those companies went away or if they didn't exist what would the future of self driving look like we're we're here, we're there now because if Cruz goes away because of this most recent debacle, that leaves just Waymo, the big dog, and a couple of medium players. I have no insight into this and no to information, but from a markets and culture standpoint, it, um, if competition is reduced because Cruz goes away, then Waymo has the, the field themselves, and then Alphabet, their parent is under uh, they're always under pressure to cut costs. They could just say to Wayma, "Hey, we're going to cut the budgets. You're still rolling, but we can slow the roll because we don't have a player of our scale out there anymore." If that happens, that that seeds time to Mobileye and Tesla, who are both developing um, AV tech. I mean, Tesla's Vision only, and Mobileye is Vision plus a. They have two stacks: Vision plus lidar and radar, and they merge them together. But fundamentally. The AV race has never been between the com- companies, but between feces. It's between vision only or vision primary. Funded by revenues from operating businesses with, with other streams. So Tesla sells cars, mobilize sells hardware and they're profitable. That's one set. And then the other side is everyone funding out of VC dollars. Mm-hmm. Those are the two theses. nothing to do with the tech itself. And so if Cruise goes away and it's just Waymo, and if Waymo should slow their rollout, then another reality comes into play, which is the vision only or vision first guys will eventually come out with something which is self-driving, uh, whatever you want to call it, autonomous, driverless. It, it have, It will have a different set of behaviors, Um, or let me say they'll have a different standard for what safety is because they have fewer sensors. So they have to develop more compute and other aspects of the system to deploy, which means that there is going to be a lot more innovation to come because what do you need? If you're a big stack sensor, multiple mode company, you need to get those things smaller and cheaper fast. You need to, those companies need to buy startups or invest in startups that are doing miniaturization of hardware, that are doing uh, things with less compute, that are doing you know uh, compute at the edge, a universe of stuff. Um, without that stuff, the multimodal companies don't survive in a market where um, time is against them. And so I'm always looking at yeah. sensor companies. Even today, there are still sensor companies being started that are doing interesting things. And so, I mean, the, the cliche is that, the, you know, the biggest opportunities when the market's the worst, totally true. Yeah. Like, no one thinks AV is going to happen, but everything developed for AV has applications downstream in driver assistance and also in micromobility.
2: I have a, it seems like the, and look, I don't know anything about this space at all, I'm realizing, but it seems like everything is investing at the uh, like kind of platform level, right? now and like the tooling level rather than the application level uh which i think is i get that the application may be like self-driving just in and of itself right like you're not having to drive but that is, like isn't necessarily outside of selling a vehicle that could do that like isn't the, much of a commercial application outside of that. like what are the things that get enabled by this and so I, i'm i'm intrigued by like what you think are like the second order investments to come like out of this? Like, well, let's say, I, I think it's assumed it will, will work eventually. Right. It's just, will it take longer than people think? Probably. But now what's, what's next out of this? Like once all the sensors are in place, once all the technology's there, you know, what's the really, the big bang here?
1: Well, uh, there are applications that are working now in construction and other, and things like that with like limited design, ODDs means operational design domain, limited structured environments, there's businesses there already. uh, And that those are growing. The on the other side, uh, in my consulting work, I've just taken on my first set of clients outside transportation that are in parallel verticals. Um, So directly adjacent is construction. And so my thesis is that 3D printed walls we've heard there's companies out there doing 3D printing and there's 3D printed wall companies and that got a lot of hype too. And those companies are analogous to like limited, like automatic, like emergency braking. They do very little. What does a 3D printed wall comprise of like the actual labor of a house? Less than 10% of the work. So if you automate less than 10% of a task, let's say you do it twice as well as legacy approaches you've only taken five percent off the time to build a house that doesn't move the needle like self-driving you want to automate as much as you can and so uh i've been i have a client called diamond age shameless plug i love these guys and so they're they're trying to automate as much of construction as possible uh, and the market is for affordable homes why is this interesting to me is because the guys doing it came out of tesla Hmm. so they're they're their their experience from Tesla. it's the guy who was running General Assembly, his name is Russell Varone, founded this company. Because in his he's like, okay, we know from Tesla what too much automation can do, which is uh it, it introduces new problems, more maintenance and more costs. There's an optimal amount of, of, of automation for any complex task. And so they have built this um portable factory they put in a foundation with multiple robots on it that automates of construction, eventually 55, eventually 90. But where it becomes interesting, and this is where second order effects and adjacent verticals matter. We talk about last mile delivery in cities. Harry, you talk about delivery all the time. Eventually, last mile, last mile will come to building materials. There will be vehicles that may or may not be autonomous, but they will have building materials on board that will be will have some method of interacting with what the Diamond Age guys have, which is a portable factory. It's like the size of a house. It's a little bit bigger than a house and it sits on the slab. And when it's done, it moves to the next slab. But what does the supply chain look like for them? It's a hundred years old. A bunch of dudes show up with a pickup truck with, with stuff and they mm-hmm. pick it up They move it over to the site and they drop it off. And then different guys feed it to the automated construction engine, which builds the house faster. So to to close the loop on automating home construction, which is a real problem in this country, we need more homes. You need to apply the same hardware and software to different parts of the loop. Because the building of the house is this much, but the circle is like this from the moment the, Things get to Home Depot, get loaded from Home Depot into a truck to get to the site. That's a whiteboard. Where where are the startups working on the rest of it? Yeah. And I'm always looking for those. So all these sensors matter. They matter across verticals. Um, and there's so little cross-pollination, you often find that the same problem is being solved with different verticals by companies that don't know each other. Yeah. It's, just, it's crazy.
0: I, I really so like the there's word. There's a failure you, you... of
1: imagination.
0: Yeah, I really like the word you used, uh parallel, right? Like you're sort of looking at these opportunities that, you know, are like construction and AVs on the surface might not seem like they have a ton in common, right? But I I like often tell people like with my fund that I'm investing out of, I look for adjacent opportunities, right? If it's like rideshare or gig economy, you probably have to pay me to get me <laughs> involved in the company, right? But if it's something where, you know, truck driving, I'm not an expert in truck driving, but like, hey, they're all owner operators, they have sort of that similar P&L, right? They have all this, they same challenges you know the last mile uh first mile last mile issues picking up and dropping off right it's kind of the same concepts I like that uh you know kind of adjacent industries. so along that line of thinking I, I totally just made up this game right now I'm going to give you a few buzzwords Alex and verticals and you sort of tell me what you think quickly good investment bad investment Colin if you want to throw any in into at the end and then we'll expand on one or two of them how does that sound I just made up this game so it could go well it could go poorly
1: Guys, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm probably gonna say I don't know because No, I you know, know, I know, I know, I know, you I know. know. Ready?
0: It's a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, some are gonna be fun. I like this easy. game. All right, ready. Number one, Space Tech. Good investment, bad investment.
1: Good investment.
0: Hyperloop. Do
1: you want me to see? Uh, no.
0: Okay. My last one. Eve tall, electric vehicle takeoff and landing. These are like these drones that like, you know, fly around and are going to, you know. Oh, I, uh, uh,
1: uh, yeah, I. TikTok. Well, I'm going to say <laughs> yes. Or I'll say yes with a caveat, which is eVTOL. A drone is eVTOL, a little one. <laughs> and yeah. so is a big one. It's a big, <laughs> it's a big term. Uh, so
0: Yes, ish. Yes, ish. All right, Colin, you have any to add?
2: Yeah, <laughs> mobility secondaries. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, for sure. Um,
0: so that would be what, Colin? Like you mean investing in a secondary of a company?
2: Yeah. Some of these guys have done like some big.
0: Yeah. Big amounts of raising. like May Mobility I just raised a app- hundred million if they were allowing yeah, people man. to buy secondaries of you know these types of companies.
2: Yeah, uh, but yeah. I guess like Cruz and all these guys at Waymo, you can't really get access. Like you said, they're public. Um,
1: so, so the thing is, if it was a secondary Waymo today, I would totally go in because <laughs> they're clearly the leader. They have mountains of good hardware and software. And if if and let's imagine, I mean, I, I can't imagine it, but let's imagine Alphabet hold the plug i just can't see it there were so much value be unlocked so many subsets of that company are incredible that there's just there's value uh, all the way all the way to the end uh end-to-end of waymo for sure and if whereas kate okay, i if you can't say that about cruise today because we just don't know we don't have faith who does it sucks but it's true
0: yeah, I mean, Colin, you're in Austin. You've seen these cruise vehicles popping around. Yeah, we uh, so cruise, Alex, not a buy. You're uh, bearish.
1: Yeah, I'm bearish, but you know, I'd be bearish even if the tech, even if they showed up in six months and with tech that was great. Let's imagine there was a transparent metric where you could compare their tech with someone else's. Even then, I wouldn't buy it because optics, like marcom, like Vibe of a company? Like, mm. if Waymo is the same city, <laughs> which one are you getting into?
0: Yeah. <laughs> same I price. mean, I sort of, like, you know, yeah. I think there were a lot of jokes about crews, you know, they're getting stopped, you know, they're like having trouble, you know, they're piling up at intersections in San Francisco and, you know, they're going slow in Austin. I mean, I saw a couple and like, I guess I don't think you need to be a rocket scientist to realize like they've got a few bugs, you know, that they're working out. And then, of course, they had this big issue yeah. and, the, you know, sort of bad optics around how they handled it. And it's like, I don't know, man, that's kind of scary that you could uh, raise billions of dollars and then sort of do you think this is like a you know, they're done or they're going to have a big uh, uphill battle? Uh, what lessons can we learn for, you know, think, uh, younger founders, younger uh, startup folks from this whole well, cruise debacle?
1: Well, when I talk to, oh, so Kyle votes, he's not stupid. He's brilliant. He is. Um But when, uh you know, so the, the IQ of a founder must be high. There's no, there's, you can't, Skip that. It's not popular. That's that's table stakes. But the EQ has to be proportional to the market in which one wants to sell. And people who criticize Silicon Valley are often criticizing what the, the gap between tech technical capability and the um EQ uh that's missing from the leadership Mm -hmm. and in that way the critics are correct eq high eq in a founder is equivalent to a shortcut to scaling because it cuts out of the way massive amount of friction to scale for example um brian celesky the founder of argo ai set aside that argo didn't raise the money it needed to and it shut down but, but until that shutdown point, Argo skipped, all, avoided all the friction that Cruz invited. Mm-hmm. So Argo went to cities that where there was demand, where there was no cultural or political opposition, um ready to roll against them. And so a shorter path to scaling, Miami, great city. Boston, pretty good, San Francisco, terrible. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at a founder in any, it doesn't matter what they're doing, I always ask, I'm like, okay, um, if your product worked perfectly, yeah. what stands in the way of you deploying mm-hmm. it if the product is perfect? And this is where eVTOL has an issue because first we don't yet know, like we have no, no one's ever seen, I've never seen real data around the safety of of passenger carrying eVTOL, I think it's solvable. So, so let's put that aside. What remains? Well, it's a common belief among all leadership of, of tech companies or all companies, especially tech companies. If you hire a policy team, policy team will solve that. If there's any opposition, they'll write a checkmate, go away. And policy team's job is regulatory capture. And they think that they've got regulations that favor them. They're done. You're not done. You're not done. Because again, that's table stakes. If your product operates in, a, in, in an urban environment. So I've heard from many city leaders going back years. I've heard them people we know, Harry, mm-hmm. uh, state that eVTOL will deploy over my city, over my dead body. Yeah. I've heard it from leaders in LA. I've heard it in San Francisco. So you want to defeat that. You need to come with a multi-year strategy of, of engagement prior to testing that thing in the air. And it has to be more than writing checks to local you know charities. Yeah. You've got to really go to town and be like laser focused. So when I talk to a founder, I want to hear that they are capable of thinking like that up front. Mm. And the lesson of my loss, the money I lost in that simulation startup is this every av company in the world has a deep big simulation bench and they simulate a vehicle going down the street how well it sees people and kids and other cars and that's how it plans but none of these companies are simulating the system into which they are trying to sell product the system is the city and you don't even need a simulator to know that san francisco has communities of people who will oppose you no matter what you're building even if it's good Yeah. And no one thought to anticipate cones (laughs) by getting put in the hoods of cruise vehicles. That's a failure of imagination. And if I was looking at cruise 10 years ago, I would have asked, what do you think your biggest risk factor is? And if they didn't say the people on the ground in this city, Mm. I would never have written a check.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good lesson for founders, because obviously, there's always a sort of thought, you know, what's the first city that I want to deploy in? And what is the next set of cities that we're going to expand to, right? That's always on, you know, the decks. And, and I think that a lot of people focus more on the business opportunity, right? Like I've worked with companies like, hey, let's do some, you know, some testing to see what the acquisition costs in these five different cities are. So we can, you know, potentially launch and the one that has lower right where the demand is, but I don't think people like, I always hate, especially in startups, I think it's sometimes very unfair to look back and say, like, wow, that was the dumbest idea. It never was gonna work. But I don't know. I'm looking back and like, who thought it was a good idea to launch cruise in San Francisco? <laughs> Seems like a pretty stupid idea.
1: The thesis was that it's the it's one of the hardest cities in the country tied with Boston or New York. And if you can if you could succeed there, you can succeed anywhere. But <laughs> you have to then mitigate the risks that come with that the risks were not like technical i mean they're technical sure but the other risk if cruise 80s worked perfectly today there would still be opposition to them because opposition is not to it's not just to an autonomous vehicle which is a jobs component or autonomous vehicle for good for safety it's for existing
0: yeah. No, I really like that. Like, and if so you are going to launch in San Francisco, thing. it's kind of, I think, you know, it's okay to have that sort of in mind. And hey, this is going to be a huge challenge and reason, but it's like, what could go wrong? And like, who can you get on your side? I actually saw Waymo release this really cool video yesterday that sh- sort of showed how their technology, like, I, I think it actually warns the passenger, like, not to open the door, it may even lock the door if they notice a bicyclist approaching, which is kind of similar. You know, Uber will send a push notification if you're on a highly trafficked, Uh, bike street but you know you can still open the door and nail a biker and you know for bike you know people that ride bikes dooring this is called dooring this is a huge issue for them so i could imagine like hey if you're an av company you're coming to launch in san francisco all those bikers like uh, may not love you but if you kind of go and say like hey here's one of the you know here's like the top five features that we're going to be bringing and you know kind of like get them on your side from the get-go somewhat like a group who may have opposed you now they're going to be kind of on your side I, i think that uh you know makes makes sense
2: you're 2,000% correct. <laughs> I think the the interesting thing is that, you know, I think when just from building startups is like, I, I always like push people to the like greenfield opportunity, like the easier set, like where do you sell most easy, like easily. Right. So almost picking like the hardest spot to go is like counterintuitive in my mind, just as like an entry strategy. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm mm-hmm. wrong, but you know, like, I guess take a market like Austin, right? Where um, I'd, I so it's funny you brought up uh, a cruise the other day. I was like picking up my son from school, and this one came around the corner and it was like inching at me, like trying to get in. And we we're all in line to pick up, right? And I was like, I took a video of, it and I was like, I don't know what this thing is like. Doing. Come on, bro! It just no. it was, like yeah, you know, like inching towards me, like slower. And I was like, I think this thing might hit me. Um, it didn't end up hitting me, but it was like at least I don't know, it was like a foot away at most. Um, but I, you know, it's. I still find it interesting about all this is that is the application side of it, right? Basically, they're going with ride sharing because that was kind of like, I just think maybe it felt obvious of the way to do this or like the most proof, like the best proof point of it. But I still struggle with the idea that like, this is like a problem searching for an application, right? Like, is it like, <laughs> and I know there is applications, right? And maybe we don't know it. It's kind of like the iPhone, maybe when it originally came out, like we just don't know what it unlocks. Uh, but I, I guess I'm straight, that's where I'm like, you know, thinking of investability in the space. I just keep thinking about what, you know, like what's the there there with business? Like what what business happens out of this? Like what gets created value-wise?
1: Well, I mean, there are obvious small ones like automated yeah. um, automated parking payments, this is a small thing, and yet still not solved. But there are people trying to solve it. Um, automated um, parking—if that would work. does anyone sell a car that could park itself reliably? I've never seen it, and yet wouldn't everybody want that? Sure, requires all the same hardware for self driving, except it only has to do a few things. There's one that very much closer to. Uh, I think about a lot when I listen to your uh, ride, the rideshare guy podcast, which is all right, if at some point Tesla and someone else, probably powered by Mobileye, will offer privately owned vehicles capable of some autonomy, uh, driverless operation. So at that point, we have to start talking about dual-mode vehicles, the vehicle I drive somewhere. If I don't drive it, it's mine. And then I get to work, and what happens? The fantasy that has been sold and no one has seen this come to fruition is that your car will go park itself somewhere. But Elon's thesis is that your car will make you money while you're not driving it. So since Musk says, has said that any Tesla that is ever used in a robotaxi network must be on the Tesla platform, the Tesla network, which means, now here's where the opportunity comes in, which means that a network like, like Turo is perfectly positioned to become a rival to Uber, Lyft, you know, and Tesla. Because if I had a Tesla – or sorry, if I had anything, a non-Tesla, capable of any autonomy, I would put it on the Turo. I would put it on Turo for rent by the day or for RoboTaxi by the minute. So if Turo could close that circle – so for that to work, you now need – there are these uh, fleet management platforms used. I mean, Harry, I forget what they're called. There's a few folks out there who do these management platforms for people who manage multiple Turo's or multiple ride-hail vehicles um, mm-hmm. they rent out. So someone is going to start a new platform or a plug-in for an existing platform which helps manage these Robotaxi fleets, plugged into anything in Turo or something else. We haven't seen this yet, but we can see the contours of it. And it that network would have to, that startup would have to do something that Waymo and Cruise do, but Tesla does not, which is customer assistance. You get into Waymo or Cruise, there's a problem, you can call somebody. But Tesla, even if they develop RoboTaxi, doesn't have a call center. and they have, So somewhat a third party's got to build that business, offering call center mm. support to Tesla for their Tesla uh, network, or for people who crowd crowd provide vehicles to a rival network for some future robotaxi uh, fleet, we haven't seen any of this yet, but it's inevitable. And so, I'm always looking for startups that are going to solve problems that have not quite percolated, so I could be the first guy in or the second guy.
0: Very cool. Well, I know uh, we touched on a lot today, a lot of AVs. Um, if folks want to learn more, listen from you. I think we'll leave a link to your podcast, the Atonicast. And I know uh, I think Twitter is your most active platform. Does that sound about right?
1: It is. Where can people find uh, you is, and um,
0: pitch you, uh, learn from I'm you?
1: Alex Roy. I'm, I'm Alex Roy 144 on all platforms. Wait, can I plug my business? Can I? Can I plug yeah, my, do it. My, I mean you've already Johnson plugged it Roy. like five times. So um, what's another? Hate, Keep going. <laughs> well, well well let me say this. Um I hate consultants. I hate them because they always look for long-term contracts and they'll delay and postpone. It's all foreplay and yeah. it's just there's not a lot of value there. I uh
0: Colin's uh, a consultant, just FYI.
1: If you would like to hear
0: <laughs>
1: oh, Colin, but you're not with McKinsey or any of these guys. Right? No, but not so not. um if you would so like, low guy. <laughs> unfiltered <laughs> advice. Unfiltered advice that I I can deliver in usually one hour, but I'll stretch it out to three months if you like. That's the limit of my engagement. (laughs) Johnson and Roy is the mobility advisory for you.
0: (laughs) Ooh, I like that pitch. That is a pitch. I'm going to have to Uh, check these prices, see if I can afford it. Um, Awesome, Alex. Well, I appreciate you coming on and chatting all things AV, mobility, investing, and uh, we'll do it again soon.
1: Thank you for having me on. Harry, I'm your biggest fan.